Hashtag Pistons Podcast. Hey, Koo. What's up? What just happened tonight? The Pistons just clinched their way back to the playoffs. That's right, Koo. They did. The Detroit Pistons. The Detroit Basketball Pistons. Went on the road. Win it, you're in. Against the New York Knicks, who are terrible, but still. They went on the road against the New York Knicks. Needed to win. It actually turned out that they didn't need to win because Charlotte lost. But had they lost, I'm sure Charlotte would have played harder. May have pulled out the win. And they, they took care of business. Absolutely took care of business tonight. Um, after, uh, you know, a little bit scary that it was so close. But really impressive comeback win against the Grizzlies yesterday. Uh, they beat the Knicks tonight, 115-89. Andre Drummond has another huge game. Reggie Jackson, I'm pretty much everybody played well in this game. Like, and that's okay because the Knicks are terrible. In the previous game against the Grizzlies, Andre Drummond was some different kind of animal. Ish Smith really came through in a big way. Luke Kennard finally busted out of whatever little slump he was in in both of these games. Um, yeah, so the Pistons are back in the playoffs, which, you know, they they scared us a little bit down the end. Uh, but... And it's a little bit disappointing that they're going to end up as the eighth seed. It's particularly disappointing that it looks like Blake Griffin, even if he does end up playing in the playoffs, he's clearly not right. Uh, But you know what? I mean, all things considered, especially with the moves that they made at the deadline, um, making the playoffs is a success uh, for the season. They went 41 and 41, finished 500, and they're making the playoffs. So I'm pretty pleased with it. Um, before we keep going, we should do our quick plugs. Um, I'm Joe. You can find me on Twitter at Joe underscore truck. This is my co-host, as usual, Koo Cahill. You can find him on Twitter at Koo Cahill NBA. He is, of course, site expert, editor-in-chief of PistonPower.com. So, Koo, Pistons are in the playoffs. What are your overall feelings and thoughts about that? I'm feeling very good about the Pistons making the playoffs for the night. And then tomorrow morning will come and I'll immediately go back to what I was feeling before of just depression, sadness, and worrisome. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, look, and truthfully, there's no way around it. The fact that Blake is, you know, he may not even play in the playoffs. I would guess he'll probably give it a go, but he's clearly not right. Um, that's pretty disappointing. Uh, one of the reasons that I think most of us, most of us who were really strong advocates for it, just go for it, make the playoffs. One of the big reasons we were going for that is because we knew that Blake Griffin is the caliber of player that he could go into a playoff series and be the best guy in a series. Like, even if they lose, they're going to be competitive and we could see something truly special from a great player in a playoff series, right? Like, that ha- that was part of my thought process, certainly. I'm pretty sure it was part of yours. And we won't get that, which is disappointing. Uh, so it certainly takes some of the zest out of it. It really is just kind of, uh, well, we made it. That's good. And now we're going to go get killed by the Bucks in all likelihood. Uh, but I mean, I'm, I'm having trouble being too disappointed about it though. Uh, it's going to be fun. And you know, one benefit of being the eighth seed and playing the Bucks as opposed to the Raptors or especially the Sixers is that the Bucks fan base is typically, in my experience, they're really pretty cool. Uh, they're not all pricks. They don't, you know, they're not going to be constant assholes to you on Twitter or anywhere else. 
uh, which will be nice. They're not going to invade the Pistons arena and try and make it a Raptors home game or anything like that. So, yeah, I mean, it could be a lot worse. And once again, just given the way things have gone this season and especially the moves they made at the deadline, um, making the playoffs, even as the eight seed, is definitely a success for this season. Yeah, uh, I don't know, man. It's, it's, it, I'm happy we made the playoffs. Of course, I wanted us to make the playoffs. But like you said, like we, I, I've talked about it all year on the podcast, how freaking amazing I thought Blake has been. How how like it's it was truly special how good he was playing, and like like you said one of the one of the things I was looking forward to was seeing Blake get back into the playoffs after a year that he was just like until his injury he was healthy all year it was looking good for him he was in great shape he finally got to work on his game it looked like health wasn't going to betray him again and now this happens now we're not going to get to see Blake in the playoffs. And once again, I don't want to just keep repeating what Joe said, but exactly what it's, it really is exactly what Joe said. Blake is the type of player that can just, like, Giannis is better than Blake, but Blake on any given night can go out there and play better than Giannis. On like a, he can go out there and have his night and keep you in a game. He's that type of player to where he can just go out there and he can be the best player on the court and win you a game. And if he was able to do something like that in the playoffs, it would have been truly amazing to watch it happen. And a Pistons uniform would have been great for the fan base. But now, uh, I don't even know if he's going to play. And if he does play, he recently, recently it doesn't even look like he was able to walk, really. He couldn't even bend his knee when he was playing defense or offense. He had a wide open lane for a dunk like two games ago. Couldn't even dunk it. Had to lay it up. And then even after laying it up was limping off. Like, if that's what we're going to be dealing with, then I'm not even sure if he should play. Because he might just end up hurting us more than he helps us. And and if he's not out there to help us, I'm not sure. I mean, you want Don Maker out there in the playoffs? I mean, this is about to be a... Well, here, let's touch on this a second, okay? If Blake Griffin has in the tank what he had the last two games he played, especially against the Grizzlies, if that's what he's got, you can't play him. I mean, it's just the reality. Uh, you know, our understanding, at least what the Pistons have said, is that him playing is not going to risk hurting it more. Uh, you know, it's kind of a pain tolerance thing and such. And given that, you know what, Blake, I really appreciate that Blake is, you know, he's trying to play through it. He's trying to grit through it, trying to just be like, screw it. I'm just going to toughen up and do this. But he can't move. Uh, he was a big reason they lost the Charlotte game. He was a big reason why Memphis got out to such a big lead on them. And it's not a coincidence that they started to come back once Blake left the game. Uh, they just attacked him uh, repeatedly on defense. And even when they weren't like intentionally attacking him, anytime any sort of a, uh, you know, passing rotation started, they just passed it until the guy that Blake had to rotate to was going to shoot. And the guy was wide open. So, and then on top of that, like I've heard a couple people say, Sham was saying to this, or, this to us earlier, Oh, we'll just use Blake as a decoy. Like they weren't even doing that. Like, they weren't even using him as a decoy. He didn't want to really do anything on offense. So, yeah, I mean, if he's that limited, just sit him. You're doing more harm than good at that point. And it sucks, uh, especially to potentially miss a playoff series. But if that's where he's at, you just got to sit him. Uh, hopefully he, you know, so he didn't play tonight. Uh, he didn't play that much against Memphis. 
And then he should have, so including tonight, he should have three or four days of rest before the Pistons play their first playoff game. So, you know, maybe that's enough to let him feel to at least play. Uh, but if it's, if he's at where he was against Memphis, certainly at least, they should just sit him and say, hey, great season, Blake. Uh, we need you to come back healthy next season and we'll see if we can do anything without you, which they probably can't, but. Yeah, that's that's and, definitely worth it. And, and at. to add on to that, one of the worst things about it is, is that Blake plays in Detroit now, which means that his season probably hasn't been noticed by a lot of people that aren't like, like close followers of the NBA writers, little blog boys. Like it, it he plays in Detroit now, which means he probably what he's done this season probably has gone unnoticed. Because I, I, I for sure haven't seen him talked about on any like national shows outside the beginning of the year when we were like we were like cruising and he was on that um I forgot what show it I think it was the one with Grant Hill but that was the only time I ever heard him like even mentioned nationally on any kind of show and we've had me and Joe uh get into it all the time with this uh a certain person on Twitter that they made their little NBA teams <laughs> and they, they said they put Blake on the third team and said they don't even love putting Blake there. So it just shows that he hasn't even been – he's getting underrated by just playing in Detroit and people aren't paying attention to it. So he, the way he was playing, for him to be able to go to the playoffs, play nationally with everybody watching, and then ball out like he's been all, playing all season, it would have been it would have been great for him, for us, like for everyone to see, hey, yeah, he's been doing this all season. Now in the playoffs, you guys are all going to get to see it. And now not even that's going to get to happen. So – now all we're gonna all yeah, we're gonna hear sure. on the national media and across all the little fans who don't really stay cl- close attention to it is oh look there's Blake Hurt again he's letting his team down just like he always did with the Clippers oh he can't stay healthy he's the same player blah blah so it's just that that, that really sucks because I was really looking forward to him getting to the playoffs proving everybody wrong and because like I said earlier like the dude was healthy almost all year like he was like it was he would look in great shape. He he still had a lot of his bounce. He had there was multiple games where it looked like, damn, Blake can still get up like that. Like and he, it was it's really sad, dude. I really it, that, that's what I'm talking about. I'm happy right now that the pitch is made. Okay, here, let me let me let me scoop in on this a second, okay? He didn't lose the chance to prove everybody wrong. He already did. Whether or not people recognize it, that's what he lost. Because if they'd gone out in the first round and, you know, Blake had played like he was earlier in the season, except better, because he played, he'd probably play what? I mean, it's a playoff, so he'd probably play like 37 or 38 minutes a game or whatever, right? It's like if they'd gone into a playoff series against the Bucks here, okay, and took him to six games and Blake puts up like 35 points, seven assists, 10 rebounds per game on great efficiency, you know, wins him two games against the Bucks, who've been by almost every metric by a wide margin, the best team in basketball all season, right? Like, just goes out and dominates. Then everybody would have been like, okay, we recognize what this dude is doing. But make no mistake, just because they didn't see it, he did that this year. He proved everybody wrong. He was healthy all season. Uh, He only had it catch up to him right at the end of the season. Uh, he learned to shoot threes. He was, I, he literally, if he hadn't gotten hurt at the end of the season, he probably would have set a franchise record for three pointers made, right? Him and Andre Drummond fit together really well. He's adapted his game to the point where he doesn't just rely on his athleticism hardly at all anymore, 
but he still has that athleticism to pull up when he needs it. Like he he already proved everybody wrong. So I just wanted to say that. Just because other people aren't gonna recognize it, that's the what he lost the opportunity for. Like you said, he plays in Detroit. And as much as anything, it's not just they plays in Detroit, it's that the Pistons are that good, right? I mean, they're the eighth seed in the East. So people aren't really paying attention to him. It's same things happened to Andre Drummond this year and then also last season, uh, where it's just a reality. Your team's not that good, so people don't pay that close attention to you. But he already did prove everybody wrong. And, you know, I don't know if you have anything else to say on that, but if you have anything else to say on that, you can say it. But otherwise, I got some else. I mean, I don't really got nothing else to say. It's just I, it really is a bummer for me that he didn't get to go out there and do it on a national stage for all the people that aren't paying attention to him. It, I'm sure it really sucks for him too, but it is what it is. Well, yeah, and I, here's the other thing that I, I'm not as worried about what the wider world thinks of him. The main reason I'm disappointed is just because it would have been an absolute blast because, let's see, the last time Blake Griffin was all the way healthy for a playoff series um, was the year, was ironically the year that they lost to the um, Rockets to Josh Smith threes. Remember mm-hmm. that? Um, but in that first round series, they played against the Spurs, who, remember, had won the finals last season, the previous season. And he was the best guy in that series. He was absolutely incredible. And I just thought of that, and it was just like, it would be a freaking blast to watch that dude play like that in a playoff series, right? Mm-hmm. Everything else aside, everything else aside about how he's proven people wrong, all this other stuff. It would have just been a lot of fun. And that's the main thing that I'm disappointed with because in the end, that's my main thing is I want to watch a team that's worth watching. And that would have watching Blake play like that in a playoff series, even if you lose, that would be worth watching. Um, But I got the next thing to move on to. Okay. And then I suppose this can be sort of its own thing, right? So if I were to pick one thing from this season, that is the biggest thing to take away as a positive, and it's connected to that, okay? I just tweeted this out earlier. In like 1,700-some minutes played this season, Andre Drummond and Blake Griffin, when they were on the floor, the Detroit Pistons were plus 5.1 points per 100 possessions, which is about in line with what they were last season, by the way, to it. And they played like, I think they played like seven or 800 minutes together last season. Those two guys can work together. And that is the biggest and most important thing to take away from this season. And that's the reason why, even though it's disappointing that Blake got hurt at the end, um, even if even if they had blown it at the end of the season, I mean, that would have been pretty devastating, hugely disappointing, given how far up they were at one point. But even if they had blown it, that's the biggest thing to take away from this season, that the two guys that this team has pretty much invested in to be the cornerstones when you look at the numbers of those two guys on the floor, they match up with every in every single way with that. These guys are cornerstones that you can build a team around. Now, it'll be difficult for them because of their salary situation, all these other things, right? I'm not saying that they're going to build a contender around these two, but we know for a fact that you could, right? Mm-hmm. If they nail things, if things break right, right? If Blake stays healthy, if you nail a draft pick, if you make a really good free agent site, et cetera, et cetera, right? A lot of things would have to break right. Those two guys are both good enough and a good enough fit together that you can build a legitimate team around those two dudes. 
And that is the most important takeaway from this because this season, like, I mean, especially after they made the trades they made at the deadline, the wing rotation is a mess. Um, we're mostly fans of Reggie Jackson here, but, you know, Reggie Jackson is not really the point guard you want to, you know, on a contender, at least, at least your starting point guard, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, right? There's all sorts of flaws with this team. Those two guys are the future. And they showed out, they showed that they can work, that you can do this. So that's the most important thing from this season. Uh, and yeah, so it is a bummer that Blake got hurt at the end for all the reasons you said. Uh, also has to be a little extra devastating for him just because this was his best and most healthy season in like four or five years. And then to have an injury come up right at the end of the season like this has to be hugely disappointing for him personally. Uh, but the most, the biggest thing that I wanted to see this season was like, if you had told me before the season, what's, if you could have one thing go right, right. One thing at the end of the season that you've got to hold on to, I think I actually said this, um, what would be the best sign? Now they're probably not both going to, I said, if Andre Drummond and Blake Griffin both made an all NBA team, I don't care what else happens. If those two guys are that good. And I think Blake has a really good shot to make it. I think he should. Um, Andre probably won't, but even outside of Pistons fans, he's gotten some buzz about it. Zach Lowe brought it up on his podcast a couple of days ago, et cetera. Like he's gotten some real buzz around it. I'm not, I'd think about putting him in third team. He might be on the, I know obviously there's not a fourth team, but he might be the fourth guy there, but that was the thing before the season. I actually know for a fact, I did write this before the season. I was like, if I could have one thing go right, it would be Blake Griffin and Andre Drummond make all NBA teams. They might not both make it. You know, Blake should make it, but they both had those kinds of seasons. So regardless of everything else, that went right. And there were other good things. Luke Kennard seemed to really get going at towards the second half of the season. Uh, Bruce Brown was a really nice development all season long. Reggie, ja okay, let's talk about Reggie Jackson here a second. Wait, wait, Reggie wait, wait. Okay, let me go, say, ahead. go ahead, go ahead. Let me yeah. say my one thing. Okay. My my one thing is along the same lines as that, but it would have been just to see Blake stay healthy throughout the season, and that's what he did. He may have got hurt at the end of the season, but my one thing I wanted to see, because all season, and you can even go back in the podcast, that Joe, Joe would always say, well, you're going to have to plan for Blake Griffin to at least miss like probably 10 to 15 games, blah, blah, blah. And he didn't do that. He He didn't break down. And I think that this is something we should talk about either this podcast or another podcast is whether the load he had to carry throughout the first half of the season had something to do with this, do you think, or all that, whatever. But even throughout all the the load that he had to carry at the beginning of the season, how well he played, how much he was relied on, he didn't break down. He stayed throughout the season. And the fact, what's he playing now? What what uh, How many games did he end up playing? 70 plus? Uh, yeah. He missed. So – so he missed three of the last games of the season. He missed three games earlier in the season for rest. So uh, I don't have it up in front of me, but so he missed, I think he missed six games. So he would have played then 76, uh, right? Yeah. So that, that's, if you would have told me before the season, okay, so he played 75 games this year. If you would have told me before the year that Blake Griffin played 75 games, the most games he's played in since 2014, I would have told you then the Pistons are going to the playoffs and, and it would have been great, and that's what he did. And I don't want to keep going in about what happened in the, the year, but he did stay healthy throughout the year, and that's why I wanted to look forward to. And that's what he did. Yeah, for sure. So, you know, those are the that's the big thing. We wanted to see Blake 
be the player we wanted him to be. Be the guy that, no, this was the right trade to make. Be the guy that you look at his contract and it's like, that's a lot of money, but hey, that's what you pay for a guy like Blake Griffin. That's what we all wanted, and I think we got that this season, which was great. And that does almost make it even more disappointing that he got hurt at the end of the season, but, you know, whatever. It happens, I guess. Um, I want to talk about Reggie Jackson for a moment. There's been a, there's a lot of crap talk about Reggie Jackson. Reggie Jackson played, and the only Pistons player to do this, in all 82 games this season for the Detroit Pistons. That's something. <laughs> yeah. That's really something. And you know what else? For all the crap, he actually had a really nice season. Like, really, he had a, by a lot of metrics, he had one of his best seasons. He was his scoring efficiency was better than it literally has ever been in his career. He had a really good assist to turnover ratio. Like Reggie Jackson, look, Reggie Jackson, I think it's fair to say he will never be the guy he was when he first showed up here. Okay. That's fair to say. It's just kind of the truth. He won't be that guy. But if he's going to have him end up finish this season shooting almost 37% from three scoring a little over 15 points per game, four some assists per game, awesome assist to turnover ratio, career best scoring efficiency. His defensive effort was better than it has been in a while. I mean, it was about it. It was at a similar level before he got hurt last season too, but um he could move a little bit better this season. So, look, Reggie Jackson's got a lot of flaws. Um I'm not saying that he's the guy that you want to be your starting point guard forever or anything like that. But Reggie Jackson is a guy who's been under a whole lot of scrutiny. And he really had a rock-solid season and was a guy who did play a lot of important minutes for this team this season. So I just wanted to give a shot to him. And also, in the four full seasons he's been here, in the two of them that he's been healthy, the Pistons have made the playoffs. I just wanted to say that. I mean, yeah, but, uh, not Blake. Reggie playing all 82 games is honestly pretty crazy if you think about how the Pistons – I mean, let, let's not sugarcoat it. The Pistons' last two seasons were destroyed by him getting hurt. They, and once he got hurt, it was just – both the both the seasons were ruined by his injuries. And I think it's pretty safe to say – at least it's safe for me to say – that the Pistons most likely, and I I would put money on it, would have been playoff teams in both seasons if he doesn't get hurt. So, I mean, with that kind of storyline and what everyone was expect, expecting coming into the season to play in 82 games. So he played in 45 games last year, 52 games the year before. So to come back and hit 82 games is, yeah, pretty remarkable. I'll give him credit for that. And if you think about back to our earlier podcast, we – I was, at least I was, pretty skeptical of just converting him strictly into a catch-and-shoot player. He actually, like, did really good in that role. He he started to get more possessions in the pick-and-roll as he got, well, healthy, which is what uh, we were told by Dwayne Casey once he got healthier. That's why I didn't give it to him earlier because he wasn't as healthy, blah, blah, whatever. I don't know if I believe that, but uh, he played good in the little catch-and-shoot role. He shot 36... 37% this year from three on six attempts, by far a career high. And that's pretty pretty amazing. So, you know, Reggie, Blake, 
everybody literally this was really I know what we're at the eighth seed and you know a lot of that I mean we still had that injury to ish that that hurt us in December I mean this team isn't deep enough to sustain an injury to any of their rotational pieces and keep it going so that really hurt us but really if you just look at it this this was really a pretty good year for the Pistons Reggie Jackson played well Andre just exploded after he came back from the concussion and Blake Griffin was, I, I don't care. Joe doesn't have to agree with me. It's no one has to agree with me. Blake Griffin was that. damn near in any other year, an MVP type player to, this year for the Pistons. I'm, I'm just saying if, if Joe disagreed with that, I don't care. I'd argue with them, but Blake was damn near an MVP kind of player this year for the Pistons. If it wasn't for someone like Giannis and Harden. So, I mean, I may be going off the rails with this, but it is what it is. This season was really fun for me to watch for the Pistons. Everybody, literally, just about everybody improved. I think here's one Luke of the main Tenard. things about this season. I mean, is that it was a fun season to watch. There's nothing it is what it at is. the end of the season. Look, I think we both can point out some things, um, whether with health or with some <clears throat> tactical things, um, that maybe could have pointed to a better season, but let's be honest. Like you said, okay, Reggie Jackson's injuries pretty much killed the team the last two seasons. And there's a lot of what-ifs about the last two years that we were left with. This season, we're at the end, and there will probably be a what-if Blake Griffin was healthy for this playoff series, maybe, but I think we can all be honest that even if Griffin's healthy, I mean, it's not like they would have been likely at all to defeat the Bucks in the series. It just would have been a lot more fun to watch. I'm not leaving this season going, man, what if this had been a little bit different? I'm leaving this season going, this was fun, and I'm optimistic about next season because of this season. And I think that's probably the best thing about it in the end, I guess. Um, with your Blake Griffin MVP thing, I mean, just for what it's worth, uh, I mean, look, obviously a eighth seed is never going to have its uh, its best player win MVP. Like, that's just a reality. But if you look purely at his individual statistical profile, uh, I'd put him on a tier behind the absolute front runners of Giannis and James Harden and such. Um, it's just, it's not the same level. Like, he's nowhere near the defender Giannis is, obviously. But um, he'd be in sort of that second tier. I mean, his final stat line on the season... 24.5 points, 7.5 rebounds, 5.4 assists per game, true shooting percentage of 58%. Yeah, like, so he scored nearly 25 points per game on a true shooting percentage of 58%. Dude, I was looking at that earlier. I was like, five plus assists per game. <laughs> Damn. And this is with a horrible, horrible wing rotation. And legitimately, one of the, I mean, we've talked about it before this season. The Pistons had the worst ring ro- wing rotation of any team that was trying to win basketball games this season. And it got worse after they traded away Reggie Bullock, right? And he still put up these absurd numbers. So, yeah, I mean, look, obviously in a realistic sense, uh, a seed, a team that went 41-41, and you're never going to get serious MVP consideration from that, and that's fair. When you look at his individual statistical profile, yeah, absolutely, he's right there. And I would... I know I actually have to decide this because I have to do this for the um, NBA Reddit. I actually have to make a um, an awards ballot and such. But uh, I don't know if I'd put him second or third team All-NBA, but he's definitely going to be on mine for sure. I mean, 
I'll have to think about whether to put him second or third, but I, he just had an absolutely phenomenal individual year. That's why I was talking about earlier um, that, you know, people may not have all noticed because the Pistons weren't that good and he plays in Detroit, but Blake Griffin absolutely proved all of the doubters wrong this season. And at this point, you just have to hope that um, whatever it is that ended up bothering him at the end of the season isn't something that's going to cause him to be, even if it's he's healthy by the time next season starts, but like he's able to have a proper offseason game. Because he talked about a lot about how how big it was for him to have an offseason that he got to spend doing basketball things instead of rehabbing, right? So you just have to hope that that's, that sort of thing is able to happen again this offseason. And he comes back just as strong next season and they do it again. So, yeah. Yeah. I guess that's kind of what I have to say about that. I don't know. Um, do you have anything else you want to say about big picture end of season stuff? Okay. So we could just jump into this. So you think they're going to get swept for sure? The Pistons are going to get swept. I'm sorry. It depends if if Blake play, if Blake can play and give us like eighty percent of him like not the Blake that we saw the last two games where he's like barely able to walk if he's able to go out there and do stuff and like fight through the that. pain and, and still be a, a good player yeah. for us and I think why. he maybe get a game okay but if Blake's not so playing at all I think sucks, it's for right? sure a sweep I think two of these games are going to get absolutely Without Blake? blown out in I think they're going to win one though. So I think in one of these games, Wayne Ellington and Langston Galloway and Luke Kennard are going to be on absolute fire just because it probably will happen and the Pistons will hit like 18 three-pointers or something like that, and they'll win. Because one thing you have to remember um, is that this Bucks team is missing like three or four pretty important role players on their roster. Um, Malcolm Brogdon, Nikola Miritich, I think Tony Snell is still going to be out, and he wasn't playing a ton, but that uh, whatever his name is, Dante DaVincio or whatever his name is. Oh, yeah, Brogdon. And yeah, yeah um, he's out as well. Uh, so, you know, they've got a few important role players that are out. So Dante I just, I just because yeah, I of the makeup of the Pistons' um, wing rotation, my guess is that they're going to get beaten quite soundly in at least two of these games. Um, because just they're going to be pretty much overmatched. But I think in one of them, they're those guys, and they're shooters. Let's be honest. They're just, they are shooters. And like one of these games, Langston Galloway is going to hit like six threes, and Wayne Ellington's going to hit like six threes. And it's going to be just like, oh my gosh, they can't miss. And they'll steal one. Um, so we'll do a prop, we'll do a podcast where we do a proper um, playoff preview. But uh, before, just as a quick thing, okay. So we both agree, though, they're going to lose, okay? There's not much hope, especially with Blake Griffin the way he is. Even if he plays, he won't be 100%. So we're very confident they're going to lose. So with that said, what is the one thing that, right, once again, assuming they lose, because obviously the main thing we would love to see would be for them to actually win the series. But assuming they lose, what's the one thing that you want to see happen in this playoff series? Same. Same. Absolutely same. Andre Dominate. 
I, I want that's the only thing like that ass like for real the only thing like I'm I'm being so serious if Blake's out if Blake's not gonna be able to play literally the only thing I want to see I don't care if Reggie Jackson sucks I don't care if Luke Kennard struggles in his first playoff series I don't care yep. if like the whole team I, just I'm goes right, out there and I'm just craps right the bed if exactly. Andrew Drummond goes out there and dominates I'll be I'll so. be happy I'll be going in to the, the offseason right on my high horse picture, I'll be happy as guys that's all I care about are Blake Griffin and Andre Drummond and. If Blake Griffin is not going to be played or at least not be himself in this playoff series, I want to see Andre Drummond go out into this playoff series and just be an absolute animal. Um, his numbers may end up being less good just because of the fact that he'll probably have to guard Brooke Lopez a lot, which will put him out on the perimeter quite a bit, et cetera, et cetera. But I just want to see him go out and show out in this playoff series. Um, one thing connected to that. Who do you want to be have be the prior prime defender of Giannis Antetokounmpo? Um, do you want to go first or me go first? Okay. I was just about to ask you. I was going to say that's something we have to talk about because I saw it on Twitter. Um, I have, I'll go first. I'll go first. Um, I, I think we might have the same answer depending on what we, what we've seen on Twitter, but I, I'm probably going to put Andre on him. Because at least I, I'm not going to lie and act like I've watched like so many Bucks games this year. But from what I know about Giannis and what I've seen from Giannis when we played against him, I mean, well, one of the common things that you know about Giannis, he's not going to shoot from the perimeter. And second, a lot of the work he was doing against the Pistons was down low. Um, they do like a little pick and roll thing, like below the three-point line because he's not much of a threat above it. And really does – like he, he would just punish us down low. So if you put Andre – and this is another reason, like you said, what you just said. I don't really want Andre stretched far away from the basket on Brooke Lopez because um, especially if Blake's out, I'm absolutely petrified of us grabbing a single rebound with him on the perimeter against Brooke Lopez because Don Maker can't box out me. And if he's guarding Giannis or something like that, he's not going to grab a single board. So I would probably put Andre on Giannis and just – I mean, we're going to lose anyways, and I think that's probably better because you could have Don. Don's more adept or effective at guarding people out there on the perimeter, and he'd have a better job at guarding Brook Lopez on threes or Ursan or whoever else they have out there. So I'd probably put Andre on him. simply, be, And that's just simply because that speaks to what you said earlier. We have just the worst wing defense that, that of life in general. Like, that's just – that's it. I don't. I can't I mean, even think of someone that – I would, I would be want to guard him. So it, it really Andre just comes between, in my opinion, uh, Andre and the fact Andre or Bust, really. I don't really see who the hell else is going to guard him. A ton of fouls. Like a ton of fouls. Okay. Do you want to know what Giannis Antetokounmpo's free throw rate is? Giannis Antetokounmpo draws a free throw rate. All right. His free throw rate 55%. 55%. That's over 10 points higher than Blake Griffin's, okay? Absurdity, okay? And we know that at this point in particular, probably Andre's biggest weakness is that he has a tendency to get himself into foul trouble where he doesn't always need to. So I'd be worried about putting Andre on Giannis is just going to result in Andre getting into bad foul trouble really quickly. What? 
Okay, I agree with so you. I can't that. wait I think to see you're going to put option. Who is it? I just don't know if I want him as the primary guy. No, don't make guy me. Joe, I feel like I'm going to block you with this answer. Just because I think you need. I feel no, like okay, this answer is going to make Andre me block you. You need Andre to be on the floor, right? If Andre gets two fouls in the first four minutes of the game or whatever, right, and he doesn't play enough, they are going to get blown the hell out every single game. They will stand. Joe sizing me up. Just you need to have Andre Drummond on the floor. Okay, so. Yeah, it's a primary defender. What? <laughs> what? I've got to go with Thon. Okay, and here's the thing, though. Okay, no, no. Here's the thing. <laughs> no. You've been sizing me up. You I keep saying all these other things to size up the blow you. that you, of what you're about to say. I don't know if you've spent much time in the Bucks, oh my Jesus. the Bucks Twitter or Bucks subreddit. Let me tell you something about oh, Thonmaker and the legend of Thonmaker. <laughs> when Thonmaker gets into the playoffs, something changes a little bit. When Thonmaker gets into the playoffs, he changes from the skinny guy. Oh man, my mic fell over. Sorry about that. <laughs> Thon Maker changes from the skinny guy who tries hard but is kind of so come on, dude. weird <laughs> to the skinny guy who is a literal demon out of hell. Thon Maker. <laughs> yeah, your mic shocked from what, what you're saying. And here's the other thing. Giannis Antetokounmpo loves Thon. Like, absolutely adores him. So he's not going to want to dunk all over him every possession, is he? <laughs> okay, reality though, I mean, yeah, I think that's kind of what your option is going to have to be because no, I don't want to put right, in big situations or whatever, it's got to be Andre. He's your best option oh, yeah. to guard him, but you need yeah, Andre. Okay, Joe, him. come on. So I think, especially if Blake's not going to play, you got to start the game with Thon on him and just say, Thon, give it your all. And if you foul him a bunch, then whatever. I mean, that's just the reality. Uh, try not to follow him too much. Andre will have your help when you when he gets into the paint, and we'll just have to hope for the best, right? Yeah. So here's the thing, okay? You're gonna put in this situation, right? Here's what's happening. <laughs> I was like, we're not gonna do our full series preview here. Here's what's gonna happen, okay? Sterling Brown is probably gonna be starting for them. You're putting Andre Drummond on Sterling Brown. Will he though? Okay. You're putting whoever will, the hell you will want on because all he does is shoot, shoot threes now. Which is good, but he's not going to go post people up, right? If you, they want to try and post up Brooke Lopez against Wayne Ellington, go right ahead. You're putting Bruce Brown on Eric Bledsoe, and you're praying to Jesus that Reggie Jackson eats his Wheaties because he's got to guard Chris Middleton. Okay, okay, cool, cool. We talked, cool. We talked about this wing rotation. There are no good options here. Okay. We have to try and find the le- the least of a whole lot of evil here. <laughs> There's a reason they stand Oof, no not, shot. Wait, wait. Series, okay? <laughs> no, this is on. what you got to do. Okay, here's the thing. <laughs> right? just, here's the thing about Reggie Jackson. On. Okay, What is Reggie Jackson's biggest weakness on defense? Not so. He's not... Okay, he's not that fast. He's not that quick laterally. Okay? I'll say he this. struggles to stick with no. really quick guys, right? Where he actually now, does well me, is when guys try to body him up and try and out-physical him because he's pretty big, he's pretty strong, and also he's a sort of tough SOB with enough of a edge that he takes it personally when you try to box, just you know, back him down and stuff, right? 
Chris Middleton isn't that quick. Now, Chris Middleton is tall enough that he'll be able to shoot threes over him, which will be an issue. Once again, we're trying to pick the least of several issues, because guess what? Chris Middleton's shooting over anybody. We can put any of our wing players on him we want. Chris Middleton can shoot over them, okay? You're giving that up no matter what. So putting Reggie Jackson on Chris Middleton and telling Reggie Jackson every time Chris Middleton tries to get physical with you inside, take it personal, <laughs> play physical, and you pray for the best, right? <laughs> Bruce Brown is going on Eric Bledsoe. That should be pretty obvious. Eric Bledsoe is a really physical point guard who's also low-key been awesome this season. So you're putting Bruce Brown on him. That should actually be a pretty fun matchup. That's actually the one matchup here that you actually kind of like for the Pistons. Um, Bledsoe should still get the better of him just because Bledsoe is really, really good and Bruce Brown is a rookie. But actually, that should actually be fun to see. And then you're putting, once again, you're putting put freaking Wayne Ellington on Brooke Lopez and dare a Mike Budenholzer team. And Mike Budenholzer hates post-ups. He hates the mm-hmm. nation. He absolutely hates that as a coach. It goes against everything he preaches. So you're going to put Wayne Ellington on Brooke Lopez. You're going to dare Brooke, and you're going to dare Mike Budenholzer to go against every single thing he coaches and post up Wayne Ellington with Brooke Lopez. All right? You're going to dare them to do that. And otherwise, you're going to say, okay, you're going to shoot threes, and that's going to be that. Once again, he's going to be able to shoot over him, but once again, that's that's a reality here. They're going to put Thon on Giannis. Andre's going to go on to Sterling Brown, and you're just going to leave Sterling Brown open. And that's what you're going to do. That's your option. What what is your what do you propose? If you put Andre on Giannis, he's in foul trouble the whole time, and he's not going to play. Right to get a hand to get a handle on their rotation. I'm looking at the game they played against the. Sixers just a few games ago. How many free throws do you think Giannis Antetokounmpo took in this game? 21. Andre Drummond, if you want Andre Drummond to play, uh, whoever is Giannis's primary defender is going to be in foul trouble. So I'm putting Thon on him to start and telling him, Thon, go out, play your tail off, use all your fouls, and hope it works out. And then when Thon gets into foul trouble... You pull him out, and you either put Andre on him and do what you were saying, or maybe you try Glenn Robinson with him. Yeah, Glenn Robinson is your second choice, and you're just going to use both those guys. You're going to toss them out there, and you're going to say, you're going to use all of your fouls, and that's just what it's going to be. And we're going to pick somebody on the floor at all time that Andre's going to guard, and he's just not going to guard them. And that's going to be I was going to say, I think when Glenn DJ Robinson is on the floor, Andre, be the that's court. your man, don't guard him. George Hill comes on the floor. Andre, that's your man. Don't guard him. I mean, that's what you have to do. All right. Okay. Could you realize just how absurd Giannis Antetokounmpo is? This man, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Okay. Here, let me read you something here a second. Okay. 27.7 points per game. Do you know what his true shooting percentage is? Don't. <laughs> Giannis Antetokounmpo. 27.7 points per game on a true shooting percentage <laughs> of 64.4%. Yes, I understand, Joe. <laughs> and he can't shoot threes. You have no other option, right? What? The best option is Andre to guard him, but you can't do that because if Andre gets in foul trouble, you're done. You need Andre to stay on the floor. So no matter what, you're putting somebody on him and just pray. That's what you're doing. Here's the thing about this, though, okay, with the just ignoring a guy in the corner, okay, is that when you look at the film, then also there's quite a few statistical models that back this up. Giannis Antetokounmpo on offense has one area other than shooting, obviously, but he's such a good scorer inside that doesn't matter, okay? 
the one thing that he struggles with a bit, he is not actually that great of a passer, right? He sometimes struggles with reads. He sometimes struggles with turnovers. He also commits a lot of offensive fouls when he barrels into the paint. So that's why I mean by you're going to pretty much tell Andre, you're going to more or less ignore this guy. We're going to force Giannis Antetokounmpo to be a passer, right? And you know what? In the end, if Giannis is going to hit passes consistently and Sterling Brown hits threes, I would way rather take my chances with that than letting Giannis get into the paint every possession and dunk on you every time. So, oh my gosh, sorry, my mic fell over again. I'm having troubles with it. I hope that didn't just destroy one's eardrums. But that's basically what your strategy has to be built around. Do everything you can to make Giannis a passer because that's one area. So, like, I just look at the stats, right? He averages 5.9 assists per game with 3.7 turnovers. That's not a great ratio. He mostly gets a lot of assists just because he has the ball all the time. But in the half court, he is not that great of a passer. And in particular, when you've got Andre Drummond patrolling the lane, who has so, phenomenal hands, we know this. He's got great hands, great quickness. I think we can turn turn him over quite a bit. So you're going to put Thon on him. You're going to put Glenn Robinson on him. Hell, you're going to put John Luer on him maybe, right? You're going to put whoever on him you can, and you're going to tell them you're going to play 10 feet off him, dare him to shoot, when he charges into you, try and draw a charge, use all your fouls, and we're going to try and make him a passer. It probably won't work. When Thonmaker and Glenn Robinson are both fouled out of the game, who are you I going know, to put on them? Steve Jones. I'm about to through the second quarter, Koo. We're in the second quarter, and they're both fouled out. What are we doing? Koo, I'm looking at the box score. 20 Joe, if John free throws, Koo. 21. <laughs> They're about to. Joe, if both of them get fouled out of a game. You've seen this wing rotation, Koo. <laughs> Joe, that's not going down. You know how wild thought is. It's going to be brutal, Koo. But yeah, so that's what you're doing. And then in big moments, like if you get to the end, if Joe, we get to the end of a game and it's close, that. I'm sicking Andre. Out. No, they don't call that. that they don't call fouls option. like that. The, in the reason playoffs. you don't want Andre as the primary defender is because if you do that, <laughs> he's going to get in foul trouble, and then you're done for. Yeah, I understand. All I'll say is this. Exactly, right? Andre Drummond needs to play 45 minutes per game in this series. Well, I'll right? say this. They, they need uh, him to do that. So I'll, can't I'll say this. You have talked me out of putting Andre on as the primary defender now because now you just gave – when you first said that uh, if he gets into foul trouble, right? screwed, you Literally. gave me a nightmare of just okay. seeing Zaza he playing 20-plus 20, 20 minutes. He can have a, a huge <laughs> drop for the playoffs, and he'll still be drawing fouls more than anyone in the league other than yeah, James Harden. Exactly. So Literally. No, no, no. Okay. <laughs> Dwayne Casey's not going to be smart enough to do anything. Playoff Dwayne Casey. Cool, we've been over this. Dwayne Casey is the is terrible in the playoffs. This man is about to be, it's about to be a joke. Well, I guess the, the question is now. Uh, adjustment and it's do you believe this. that Dwayne Casey would have There's the smart There's a reason enough, Dwayne Casey got enough. fired from the Raptors, and this is it. Okay, we talked about this, okay, with the zone, all right? 
They first busted up. You know Brooklyn, <laughs> Brooklyn first busted, probably, and then it's game over, <laughs> right? Brooklyn first busted out his own against the Pistons like two months ago, <laughs> and it killed them, right? This man had two months to figure out a way to try and bust his own. And the Memphis freaking Grizzlies, what feeling a G League team did it to the Pistons. That's what I was about to say. Ago. Do you think they're going to run the Pistons couldn't score? <laughs> right? They only started to score on it when they just spread the floor and Ishmith was like, well, I'm just going to score every time and Andre Drummond's going to get an offense rebound every time, okay? And the Grizzlies were fielding a G League team, right? They, I've overall been mostly pleased with Dwayne Casey as a coach this season. I think he's been better than I expected. But there is no denying this dude has a huge blind spot in making tactical adjustments on the fly. They're about to get murdered in this department. Now, on the plus side, Mike Budenholzer is not a great on-the-fly tactical adjustments guy. He's a really good schematic coach, but he's a lot better about sort of um, getting a wider scheme and sort of instilling a system, if that makes sense. Um, he doesn't have a great reputation as an on-the-fly schematics coach, so it may not end up being that big of a mismatch in this regard. But you better pray that the Bucks don't have any good wrinkles up their sleeve. Like, straight up, you better pray they don't have, okay, yeah, we better hope that they don't, that they haven't practiced their 3-2 zone to be able to execute it well. We better hope that they don't have any, you know, just anything. We need to hope they don't have anything up their sleeves, because if they do, the Pistons are going to get obliterated, absolutely obliterated, so... What do you mean good wrinkles? Bust out 3-2 zone and... (laughs) Probably not. So, so since Joe didn't even let me finish, what I was well, I was going to ask if Dwayne Casey could do. I was going to say, do you think Dwayne Casey's yeah, smart okay. enough to make any Let's kind of about these again, defensive adjustments you're talking okay. about? Like, do you think in big moments he have the really balls to put Andre on him, or so? Like, just as an example, okay. When the Pistons would play a team... I mean, we saw Stan Van Gundy in the series against Cleveland a few years back. He, Every he, he was time, actually was agreed like with this. He put Andre on Iman Shumpert for a good, like, I think it was like after game two. Rebound. It was a no-brainer. Oh, no. <laughs> Always a no-brainer. That's just what they did. Dwayne Casey hasn't done that at all this season. It's been hugely frustrating. Like, I, it's just a reality. Dwayne Casey does not make adjustments quickly. He just doesn't do it. I don't know if it's because he's too stupid to realize it or if he's a sort of just stubborn coach that he's just like, well, this is our system and this is how we're going to do it, okay? If if Andre Drummond guards Brooke Lopez for this series, it will be a total indictment of Dwayne Casey. <laughs> I know, it just will. Why would you do that? Brooke Lopez never comes inside. The only purpose of having Brooke Lopez on the floor is to bring your big man outside so that Giannis can dunk on everything. That's the only reason he's out there. So, yeah, I do, honestly. If Blake Griffin (laughs) plays, if Blake Griffin actually plays, I wouldn't be shocked if they trusted Blake to guard um, Brooke Lopez. But Dwayne Casey, okay, Dwayne Casey has such, like, a lizard brain as a coach. Do you think he's going to guard Brooke? Gundy suffered from this, too, by the way. That he'd be like, well, I I put Thon on it, but I don't trust Thon to handle so him inside. Joe, Even though Joe, you have no hope, never goes inside anymore. 
even before he got here, he was never a guy who went inside a ton. He like he's a seven footer who never averaged more than ten rebounds. I don't know if that would even be a good right. That was always a knock on him. Now he never goes inside. So I'm literally advocating, and I truthfully believe that it is in the Pistons' best interest to stick Wayne Ellington on Brook Lopez. That's how unafraid I am of Brook Lopez hurting them on the inside with rebounding or anything else. I'm dead serious about that. That's how unworried I am about that. But I think that Dwayne Casey is not going to be comfortable putting even Thon Maker on it because of size issues. So, I don't know. Maybe, maybe. I do not have a lot of hope. I have watched the Raptors play a lot of playoff games the past few years. And, oh my goodness, it's awful. Dwayne Casey does not coach well in the playoffs. I don't know if you follow any Raptors guys on Twitter, but, oh my goodness, there's been a lot of crap talked over the past couple of days. Holy smokes, especially when people were still thinking that the Raptors were going to play the Pistons in the first round. Holy smokes, was there a lot of crap being talked. Just constant. They're like, well, we all know what Dwayne Case is going to do in the playoffs. Nobody's worked. Literally, they were ready for it just because they're like, well, we're going to just get to be able to do one thing different and it'll oh, kill oh, their uh, offense. <laughs> all over. Nothing more. Yeah, so, and look, you know what? There have been some things that he's done this season that I didn't think he would do. I didn't think that he would ever, I didn't think that he would ever pull his head far enough out of his own ass I mean, it's to just use Andre Drummond as a role man. Took I just don't understand season, how a coach can be like that when it's, it's dead ass public. Everyone knows that this is going to happen except him. It's just like he's a, because he dicked it's like he's blind. I just, it is guy for like 50 games or so. But he did it eventually. You know, so maybe by like three years from no, now, the no, Pistons will be in the playoffs. There will be enough playoff games in that Dwayne Casey will start to do things that, you know, make sense. Maybe. I'm trying to stay positive. They made the playoffs. I'm happy about that. I'm trying not to, I'm trying not to think about the fact that everybody is going to, all of the goodwill that Dwayne Casey has built up will be totally gone by the end of this series. The only reason that it won't be is because since Blake's hurt, people have already totally given up on them winning this series anyways. But anybody who's really paying attention will have lost almost all of the goodwill no. they have for Dwayne Casey. They'll just be sitting there looking no, you at their been screen positive. like, our coach is an idiot. And that's all they'll think. <laughs> no, okay, can I say something about that? It really, it really kind of ticks me off the way that Dwayne Casey talks about this. Whenever he talks about his players in scheme, he always talks about it as though, I, well, you know, I'm not the one out there doing it. I don't really have control over this. You're the damn coach. No, I don't Get know about control. control We've had people sit here and tell us. About? We know oh, they're not know, making shots. There's not much you can do the, if they're like, not making after shots. After the Memphis game, it was like, well, I don't know what was going on in the first half. Hell no. You're the I didn't coach. mean, I didn't You're mean for this. I didn't know what was going on in the first half. Like, geez. And I... You know, we, we like we like Vince a lot. But Vince said about, a lot about this too. He's like, you know, it's the players. It's the players. No, you're the coach. If the players aren't executing, it's your fault. If the players are not executing, it's not the players' fault that your scheme sucks. It's your job as a coach to make a scheme that your players can execute and puts them in the best position to win. Sorry. That's a reality. And it kind of, not kind of, it really annoys me the way that Dwayne Casey talks about it. And it annoys me even worse. 
because there's people that suddenly buy into the idea that a coach doesn't, it's not a coach's responsibility to have his players do things the right way. Right. Like Stan Van Gundy was always honest about it. Like if you would be like, well, we execute, but we missed shots. That sucks. Sometimes we'd be like, well, we didn't execute the plays we wanted. Sometimes he, and sometimes he just say, look, we didn't get, we didn't execute. We didn't scheme that well. We did poorly. I did poorly as a coach. When was the last time Dwayne Casey said that he did a poor job as a coach? Has he said that at all this season? No, tell me, Coop, has he said that once this season? Has Dwayne Casey taken an ounce of responsibility for anything that has gone wrong this season? Name one time. One time. Coop, stop. One time. Okay. I think I think what Joe's we'll trying to not be. Let's save the let's save the negativity for the the. No, the I already told you. I, no, I'm pretty sure I said I on this podcast. Me, I do. Joe, I, I, Joe, I'm honest, pretty I just, sure I, I said I, on this I podcast, really like ten podcasts ago, that I stopped watching Dwayne Casey's post-game interviews because I couldn't take it no more. I haven't watched no more negativity. No more negativity. They made the playoffs. That's what we wanted. What Joe's saying is that he misses Stan Van Gundy. Joe misses Stan Van Gundy. That's pretty much what he's saying. I do too. Kyrie? Someone said Kyrie? Well, let me. Were they if, dropped if, on their head as a child? If we're done with negativity, if, if we're done with negativity, here's something positive. Mark Stein just tweeted. Damn right. Um, Damn right, Mark Stein. Props to the Pistons getting an ailing Blake Griffin to the playoffs tonight. Case can be made that Griffin has been the East's second best Ooh, player yeah, this Mark season. Stein. And then someone tweeted at him saying, that much of Mark Stein, Giannis Embiid, uh, Kawhi, Kyrie Kemba. Mark, and then he said, I he said everything. Yeah, Mark so, Stein's the best. Yeah, so Mark Actually, Stein, that might not be true. The fourth so guy. Mark Stein replied Stein with, so Embiid playing only 64 games right? and Kawhi playing 60 had a better season than yeah, Blake the, playing 70. Yeah, right. The guy who does the draft stuff for ESPN. He was a a team that had a lot less firepower. So we got somebody on our side. What's his first name? Ever again. No, the NBA. I do not. (laughs) Not JB Lewis. I'm pretty sure Chad Ford, I think. Chad Ford. Yeah, he was. That's it. Chad Ford. Because he was literally like, Reddit literally caught him red handed that. after the draft was done, he'd go back and edit his pre-draft draft boards to try and make Which it look one? like he was smarter than he was. Like, and ESPN's response I to no it idea. was, yeah, by he did that. I thought you were talking about Jay Billis And they just kind of quietly swept it under the rug. And it's like, ever since then, I've had absolutely no respect for that guy. Like, I see no him idea. on a radio show or whatever. It's like, no, you're a clown. You, you're, you're so desperate to try and look smart that you literally are going editing stuff that already happened. And every and we know this for a fact. So Chad Ford is a clown, just so everybody knows. Imagine being that sort of a dude. Like you've got a job at ESPN and you're still so insecure about how stupid you are that you feel the need to go back and edit stuff like that. Jeez. <laughs> what are you looking forward to? Hey, yeah, let's talk about that for a second. Shouts to the Pistons, Magic and Brooklyn Nets for all making the playoffs and not the Miami Heat. Um, three franchises that have been through a whole lot of bad times over the past uh, near decade for all of them. 
the Magic haven't been any good since Dwight left. The Nets haven't been any good for like five or six You want to know something I'm looking forward uh, to so outside the Pistons in these playoffs? Three franchises that have been through a lot of My tough man times Aaron Gordon the in the playoffs. Uh, all making the playoffs this year. And that's the sort of thing that you like to see just because and like now, because it's Dwayne Wade's last season, if the Heat had made it, it would have been kind of special for that. But like, let's be honest, Heat fans don't care about making the playoffs as an eight seed. They they just wouldn't care at all, right? Just the reality. The Washington Wizards wouldn't have cared about making the playoffs as an eight seed. Pistons fans, the Brooklyn Nets fans, my uh, Orlando Magic fans, like it's actually a cool thing for us. So shouts to all three of those franchises. Uh, so, yeah, I think that's cool. That's what I was rooting for. It sucks that Charlotte's left out on that because that's another franchise that's endured a lot of misery. Uh, but someone was left out. And the fran- I, the fan base, the fan base has, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, man, that's got to suck. Because the worst part is that we know for a fact that Kemba wants to be in Charlotte. You know? Like... He wants desperate, and he said it many times. He's gotten emotional talking about it many times. They're like, he wants to be in Charlotte. He wants to win in Charlotte. If he leaves, it's just because he looks at this fr- the franchise as just like a, a franchise just, or, or Kemba Walker, you know, and so we'd have to leave. And that, that makes it even worse. The fact that everybody knows that if they had any, sh- any spark of hope, you know, had shown anything, he would be re-signing there and would never want to leave. Mm-hmm. And it's just, so I still hope he stays. Honestly, I'm kind of sentimental about that sort of thing. I like when guys stay in one place, but yeah. I mean, okay, where where would you want him to go? What's wrong with LA? Boot out your boy Lonzo. I I also I I also like Lonzo, so I'm not I'm not. Why not? Oh yeah, you are a LeBron hater. We do know that this is established. No, I'm not. You're there. a LeBron hater. Just admit it. Just just admit it, Koo. You're just you're a not LeBron LA. hater. Anywhere but there. You're just a LeBron hater. You can just admit that. I don't want him with LeBron. Well, I, it has nothing. Well, I guess that that's also it's something like you can Kyrie now bring Irving up. Had his best seasons with the Cleveland Cavaliers. Huh. I, yeah, I guess that's another reason. But I don't want him to play with uh, LeBron. Yeah, and nobody can stand him, and he's I trying to leave like Boston LeBron. now too. Hmm, maybe Kyrie's actually the issue. Didn't Kyrie actually? No, nah, it's just that. Hey, uh, coo, coo, I, I got. I don't want him to turn into a who is it that this season to, called somebody to say, I, I "Hey I man, I apologize. I was a child." Who did that again? And then if he Wait, and then well, if he starts getting on LeBron's Kyrie nerves Irving. halfway through the Kyrie season, Irving he gets shipped out call, at the trade Kyrie Irving called LeBron James. He called. He called LeBron James. Was like, "Hey, LeBron, you know how and I he was ended like up that? asking for a yeah, trade out because he couldn't stand LeBron." Right. So what is what it is. You were absolutely right. I was being childish. Yeah, that's maybe, right. Maybe and they're both issues. So such a bum that, that he forced his way out of a really good situation. Just saying. Oh my gosh, that stuff with Magic Johnson! What? See, the difference is Kyrie's like tw- joke. The difference okay? is Kyrie Irving. Like, all right, Irving's I want to take that out of context. LeBron's thirty-four-year-old like, LeBron man. Context because we disagree heavily on LeBron, but like, just what an absolute joke! 
Kyrie, absolutely. Kyrie is like it's still people, growing. He's a 27 year old. LeBron's a 34 year old man. The fact that, like, man, I'm not sure if this Lakers franchise is together at all. Like, they don't really have their crap together in any way. This doesn't just know confirm that. This isn't just like, yeah, it looks like that. Oh, yes. They, we have to talk about that. This is fucking like, no, <laughs> everything you thought was wrong times it by 50. That's how wrong this is. This dude literally went and had a press conference. It was like, Jeannie doesn't know that I'm here. All we hear about is how he even said himself, we're having like (laughs) meetings together, talking about next year. And I'm just sitting there thinking, "Ah, I'm not going to be here. Is this like, no, that's not a demon. That's a shitty thing to do. Incredibly shitty. And what a joke. And all, and now we find out like Woj did a bunch of tweets. Oh my gosh, Woj was scathing about how ya, about how Magic just like wasn't there most of the time. He just didn't do scouting. Like, and apparently Rob Palenka would show up at practices and joke about, "Hey, where's Magic?" Because everybody knew that Magic was just blatantly never there doing his job. <laughs> oh my word! That, he's such a demon. Joke. He's a demon. Absolute joke. <laughs> I was crying. I know. It absolutely does. It 100% falls on Genie Bus. And it's funny because um, their ownership situation has been a joke for a while. And supposedly when Genie Bus took over all the way, oh, I'm going to fix things. We're going to get everything right. It's like, no, it's still just as much of a crap show as it was before. Absolutely. So does D'Angelo does does D'Angelo Russell get to be the new so, president of basketball operations? Is that how this works? At that point, it falls on uh, at that point it falls on Genie Bus if he wasn't just no, not I doing mean, nothing. Like, he should have been out of there. Imagine, jeez, okay, we all know. No, I'm not even going to let this happen. Okay, I like D'Angelo Russell. I just don't like him as much as you. Okay, but imagine being Magic Johnson when they traded D'Angelo Russell. This man had the balls to go be like, "We need a leader. We need a real leader," and then he quit. Without telling Genie Bus, because no, he's like, I can't look her in the eyes and say it. I wouldn't be able that to. That was do probably it. the most. What a clown. What an absolute clown. We need a real leader. And then he quits without telling Come anybody. Come on, Joe. Le- leave him out of this. Hell? No, we're not doing this. We're not doing it. <laughs> and. Everyone around, no one else was laughing at it. Like, he told these jokes, and all the reporters yeah. just sitting there dumbfounded, like, is this a real thing? Is it April 1? Or is our is our calendar wrong? Is he high? Like, no, did no, he no. just shoot up? Co- did he just snort a bunch of cocaine in the bathroom? No, you want to talk is about partying with Tom Gores? Like, what he just, like, what he did, first of all, I have two things to say about it. Stupefied. The, the interview itself like, was just real. It was just this hilarious because the whole the whole interview, this is happening. He's sitting there the laughing, like, smiling, like this, this is isn't like this whole NBA. Oh my goodness! He was like. He's like, this isn't a whole NBA job. <laughs> oh, crap. And he's just laughing and smiling. <laughs> and then. And then another thing he said, and then one of the things he said on top, there was a bunch of things he said that had me, that had me crying of laughter. 
But one of the things I, he said, and it has something to do with D'Angelo Russell, and I'm not letting this turn into a debate, so I'll just stop talking after this. He said, they asked him about D'Angelo Russell. He said, well, the thing about D'Angelo Russell was he always had the talent, but he just wasn't as mature back then. Now he's mature, so that's why he's a better player. I just want to say this. The dude, also, the dude let, like let's just let's just continue untrue. with what he said. This whole mature, D'Angelo this Russell that I talk about is a 20-year-old when he got, tra- and he got traded. It's not no, like he's a way You're lucky I didn't swear just now. No, it's not, he's 20 like, years old. Of he course he's not as mature as some of these other guys you want him to be. So it makes complete sense. Most for point guards it doesn't right? shock nobody like that he's, he's a base, more mature and more of a leader two years later at the age of 22 than he would be in his second year out of the college. So that right, that statement right there had me looking at Matt to be the side eye. It was like he was build as this really good shooter. He only shot like 33 or 34% from three as a Laker. He's shooting what? 36, 37% on really high volume now. Right? Like, no, he wasn't. It's not that he matured or anything else. It's that he got better as a basketball player. You're just saying, well, he's mature now because you don't want to own up to the fact that you just didn't want to give him a chance to improve at things that almost all young point guards improve at. Jeez. It's like these people who talk about Andre Drummond. Well, he's just more mature now. It's Blake's leadership rubbed off on him. No, it's that Andre Drummond showed up in this league raw as hell, and every single big man who shows up in this league doesn't know how to play defense when they show up. Every single big man takes like two or three years at least to really figure it out on defense. And Andre Drummond went through like three coaches in his first couple of seasons, and he came in raw as hell, so he took longer. That's all it was. It's not that Andre Drummond got more mature. It's not that Andre Drummond learned to lead. It's that Andre Drummond just got better. That's what happened. Andre Drummond got better as a basketball player. That's what happened with D'Angelo Russell. Magic Johnson <laughs> just too much of a freaking coward to just say, yeah, I screwed that up. We shouldn't have traded that guy. Would have been able to use him. And they could have been able to use him. He would be, he'd be a really good fit next to LeBron. Good spot-up shooter. Take some of the load off of him next to him. He could play next to Lonzo, too, as a shooter. Just an absolute – so, no, that's just something that I wanted to say. No, Magic, it's not that he got more mature. It's not that, well, he changed after we traded him, so it's not really my fault. No, you screwed it up. You were too stupid and short-sighted to go, all right, we've got this young point guard. He's struggling to hit tough shots, and he's struggling with turnovers. Hmm, let's see. Oh, wait, this is something that literally every single point guard that has ever come into the league has done. Literally every single one other than, like, Chris Paul. Like, when Chris Paul showed up, he didn't have that many issues, I suppose. But, like, pretty much every single one of them has That's what I was about to say. He would have been good against with and Lonzo, too. I was just too. like, oh, well, he took a video of the fact that Nick Young was cheating on Iggy Azalea. Can't, I suppose that would touch Magic closer than it would a lot of guys, you know, cheating, cheating on their wives. But no, so just an absolute joke. And, like, you know, truthfully, so and I've said this before, okay, when LeBron decided to go to L.A., it was kind of like, okay, you know what? He's 34. He wants to just go live in L.A. He's not going there because it's the best basketball decision. And, hey, whatever. He's 34 years old. This is the twilight of his career. He can do what he wants. I don't care. Right? But, like, it's still – all right, I don't – so I don't even care about the Lakers, right? I mostly dislike the Lakers just out of principle as a Detroit fan, right? 
it still upsets me that there's an NBA franchise that has such <laughs> go, an go, absolute go on, clown show. And the fact that it's one of the NBA's premier franchises that currently has LeBron freaking James on it, and it's this big of a clown show, just, oh my gosh. It's it's just stupefying, man. Like, oh, it's stupefying. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see how that goes if LeBron and Lonzo stay healthy next season. Because, so like, well, I mean, so like Lonzo, and even the previous season, when Lonzo was healthy, the Lakers were almost 500 the previous season. That's pretty funny to me. I think something like that, weren't they? It's it's been absolutely, people underestimate the. Hell of a year for me to watch. Yeah, people I, I've underestimate been, it, it's the been positive impact absolutely Lonzo nothing but enjoyment. Basketball games. And Enjoy over here for me watching the Lakers spin out like yeah, the way yeah, they yeah. have. Yeah, so a lot of people don't. I've been smiling all season that. about it. And it comes down to, I mean, we talk about this with Andre. So many people, all their focus is on Herder points per game. And now you've got Blanc you can go ahead and write the points per game last 10, 20 minutes of this as Kuka Hill after Kuka Hill and Joe Truck after dark. Right? Like that is, that's not an invalid thing, but it's like, especially with a guy like Lonzo, who's a really advanced defender and a really good passer. Like the guy does th- yeah. other things. Like I mean, there's other aspects to the game. games this year. So that, yeah, I mean him, if he stays not healthy the, not next year, which at this me. point, I mean, the his guy first showed two seasons, me seems to understand completely. Games, so maybe he'll just be a guy that he misses like 30 games every season. Who knows? But if he could stay healthy next season and LeBron doesn't miss like 20 games, which LeBron's so old that maybe that'll be a reality for him too. I don't know. Maybe that, maybe, you know, and it's remarkable the fact that he went through his entire career and never had a significant injury before last season. So maybe that's just, well, he's no longer a young man anymore, so he can't do that anymore. But I think I'm pretty, I think it's fair to say that if LeBron and Lonzo had stayed healthy, they would be in the playoffs right now. I, I'm not saying they'd be that good, but they'd probably be at least the seven or six seed, I would think. I'm based on – you can say whatever you want. You're wrong. I mean, you're wrong. You're wrong. No, they wouldn't have. They were like the, they were like the four seed when LeBron got hurt. They were, they were, they were, they were plus when he was on the floor after he came back. And Lonzo was all hurt. Nah. I'm saying if Lonzo Ball <laughs> stays healthy and LeBron stays healthy, they may. Nah, they would have missed the playoffs. Joe, when LeBron got hurt, they were. Joe, listen. When you guys say this, it's just that's not fair. To that doesn't mean anything because they were only a game away from ninth. Like, it was that wow, close. So, so it's not like they were fourth seed and just so much just better than the rest of the teams. They were still playing at, like, the same level. Right. It wasn't like they were just, like, separating the, themselves. And the then the record with LeBron is still negative well. okay. even after he came back. Wow. And even with him back, I don't care what anybody says. The, he, it's almost like sometimes you lose. Games. Yeah, but they. But what was their record? That's funny. Okay, but with their, their record with LeBron. That's, that's funny. 
It's funny. It's funny how huh? Joe, I'll, I'll tell you this much. It shouldn't take Lonzo Ball being healthy for you not to lose to the Atlanta Hawks, the Memphis Grizzlies, and the and the yeah, uh, who was the other team, the Pelicans, know, twice. Just, that that, that shouldn't happen. How absurd! Just absolute crap show. The Warriors are different, like, Joe. The Warriors can go out there and say, "Screw the first month of the season." NBA they don't even have to show where up. You've heard the Warriors could not show up for five months and they'd be perfectly and fine. And it's been confirmed to be like ten times worse than that. Like, is there any other instance? Of, maybe like the um, Gilbert Arenas Wizards. That's well, you know, you, it's, it's almost like, like that when you're in the middle of a playoff chase. Like, you shouldn't lose to three of the yeah, worst teams like in the NBA when you have the supposed best player in the NBA on your team. Some next level tomfoolery going on here. Yeah, it is funny how it goes. That's crazy. Like, like maybe maybe that Wizards group, but is there anything else? I some of the stuff you heard about Mark Jackson when he was coach of the Warriors, that was pretty crazy. Hilarious. Too, like, he was like secretly recording some of his assistant coaches because he thought they were leaking bad stuff to the press to try and get him fired and stuff like that. You never heard about that? No, like like he apparently was paranoid that his assistant coaches were trying to get him fired. And he, and so he freaking was like recording them without telling them, like recording meetings and stuff when meetings <laughs> when he wasn't there. He'd record so nice recording equipment all over the facility <laughs> to try and catch them in the act. That was actually that's actually a big reason why they fired him. Because <laughs> they're like, this guy's an absolute maniac. Yeah, I know. Yeah, that's close to. But what? I don't think that reaches this level, though, man. The only thing I ever heard about him was the little stuff he did with the churches when people I got hurt. I don't think there's any other case of just absurd what in the fuck is going on here levels. Then I shouldn't swear. This is a family podcast, but sorry. There's no other way to describe what just happened. No other way. We're, we're in meetings, and I'm just like, I'm not going to be here. That's just that's just insane. That's wild. So I have I'd have to put <laughs> no, the little Phil Jackson. Jeannie doesn't know I'm standing here. I just want to be able to tweet what I want to tweet again. Oh my word! No, it doesn't. No, I no. The Magic There's Johnson stuff is, is number he one. He actually the thing. said this. I want to tweet what I want to tweet again. He said a reason why he's stepping down is because people were upset for him <laughs> for talking to Ben Simmons. It's like, I want to be able to say the things I want. He literally, that was like Michael Scott. Yeah, that's, that, that's what that I'll was. I'll just continue to describe it. I'm a free bird. I don't want to be caged anymore. You know, I couldn't believe I'm he said that. He was, I just continue, oh I'll continue to say the dude was laughing and smiling like you as he's quitting that, the job. If you and broke they that ask into him, a Have TV you told Jeannie? Like, like, no, this no, isn't no, even no, funny. No one's like this. No one would do this. And he did it. It was like a Chappelle show skit. Oh, and he said that he was just in meetings. Exactly. Exactly. And yeah. <laughs> did all this stuff just didn't tell anybody he's like yeah I'm leaving I'm just gonna keep oh my I can't even like wrap my head around this man what an absolute he just he, he didn't realize yeah, how much work it was gonna be oh my goodness hey Coot hey Coot who would have thunk okay running an NBA team it's a lot of work who would have thought 
Yeah, that was. Yeah, that was pretty. <laughs> it was pretty hilarious. And then he also said that he was like in meetings, like as recently as yeah, yesterday, talking about exactly. the future of the organization. <laughs> like this dude legitimately thought he, had just, he was going to show up and be like, "Hey, with LeBron on Friday, everyone come play like for us." Like a three-hour with LeBron. He thought that's how easy it was going to be. Paul George is going to come, and we'll be able to just trade for Anthony Davis, and we'll win every championship ever. He thought that's as easy as it was going to be. Yeah, like he actually thought that. Yeah, man, man. How? What? No, no, oh, and speaking Magic of you saying that, the funny part, the even better part about it is when he first got it and they asked him, how hard do you think this is? This? He whole said, I played in Game 7 <laughs> NBA Finals. You think this is going to be hard for me? <laughs> hey, cool. Let me tell you something. If you one day, like, in the middle of a podcast, are like, you know what, Joe? Screw you. I quit this and leave and never speak to me again. And I hear yeah. that you're talking about how you feel really betrayed about that. <laughs> I'm gonna go be. You're. I'm gonna clown on you for like Stephen every A's podcast said, um, for the rest of time. Stephen A. I, I feel like Stephen A. is trying to cover for his boy, but he, he said that Magic yeah, feels betrayed exactly. by oh, the Lakers. So that's. I don't know what that means, but well, you know, I suppose if they wanted to know about hey, that's Magic what, Johnson's that's what, ability that's to stay loyal, they could have just asked his wife, and they would have hey, seen it coming. That's what Stephen A. said that Magic feels. You know, if you think about it, if you think about it, this is basically the equivalent of GM AIDS. That's basically what this is. Like, you know how nobody saw that press conference coming when he announced that he was retiring because he had AIDS? That's basically what this was. Except instead of AIDS, it was just him being an idiot. That's what this was. This was... It was AIDS all over again. That's fair. I don't. I don't want to do that because I'm not uh, a scumbag like that. Guess who's gonna stop me? <laughs> I mean, we've been we've been for rails. What are you even talking about? There are no rails. Okay. All right. So no thank you for listening to hashtag Pistons Basketball Podcast. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah we're definitely. Tomorrow. We're gonna, gonna see you guys later on the the hashtag Pistons basketball. Tomorrow. And it's one thirty in the morning right now. I've got to be up at like seven. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna need it, man. I bom- I bombed the last one. <laughs> Yo, you can't. Lot of to talk about. Yo, you can't be going off like this on this I podcast. I think we've run out of stuff to talk about, and I think my recording is on the verge off of the rails. Too, so we better wrap up. Okay. Oh. Okay. So, uh, <laughs> I mean, if stating that Magic Johnson has AIDS is getting you ousted from society, I don't know what. I want everybody to understand. Before we started this, Joe told me, so, "Well, we have to get hey, right into this, man." Because I have so much to, to I have to wake up early more. I have good so much times, to do. Good feelings. And Magic Johnson is our president of basketball operations. So stay beautiful, everybody, and go Pistons. Well, good luck with that one. You know, you know what would be a good idea for you to go ahead and go to sleep. What? Yeah. So let's go ahead and uh, before Joe says something else off the wall that gets us ousted from society, let's go ahead. Uh,
uh, we live in a pretty, uh, a pretty, uh, Joe was a 